We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. The Supreme Court extends a pause of the abortion pill ban through Friday. FDA, we're rejecting what happened because it's it's the creep of the administrative state. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis meets with GOP lawmakers as he mulls a presidential bid. It's just a difficult case to make, especially when Trump himself is standing there saying, what do you mean move on? Here I am. Speaker Kevin McCarthy releases a proposal to avoid a debt ceiling showdown. Our bill would actually claw back billions of dollars of unspent COVID money. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Thursday, April 20th. I'm Mike Scott. On Wednesday, Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito announced an order that will allow the abortion pill Mifepristone to remain available by mail until Friday night. Last week, the court temporarily blocked the restrictions on the drug imposed by some lower federal courts in response to an emergency motion by the Justice Department and Danco Labs, the distributor of the brand name version of the drug Mifprex. Those restrictions now will remain on hold until 11.59 p.m. on Friday. Alito did not explain the reason for the delay. Reporter Rachel Scott explains that the order will allow the justices more time to deliberate on the case. Tonight, that urgent ruling from the Supreme Court, allowing the abortion pill Mifepristone to remain widely available for at least two more days. The justices giving themselves until Friday night to consider a ruling by a lower court that would slap restrictions on the pill to prevent women from accessing the drug after seven weeks of pregnancy, require three in-person doctor visits, and make it unavailable by mail. It comes after a conservative Texas judge ruled Mifopristone, which is used in more than half of abortions in the U.S., should have never been approved by the FDA. Today, the agency's commissioner said the decision could have ripple effects on other drugs. According to the CDC, the drug Mifepristone, when used in combination with another drug called misoprostol, is the most common method to terminate a pregnancy in the U.S., accounting for about half of all abortions. Pro-life groups claim that the way the FDA approved Mifepristone was illegal and also argue the drug is not safe. Carrie Sheffield, the senior fellow with the Independent Women's Forum, joined the Salem Radio Network and says that the drug is dangerous without doctor supervision. So what happens now is it's going to they've appealed to the Supreme Court. So the Biden administration, they really it's, it's so the half win for pro-life. So what the this the overall the drug can still be sold. What we won was that it cannot be put in the mail. 
And what's really dangerous about that is you don't have a doctor with you. So what you have is these young girls dying next to toilets on the bathroom floor because there is no doctor supervising the uh, admission of this drug. Sheffield explains that the shift in how the drug was administered actually came under the Biden administration. This was a change that was under the uh, Biden administration. So in years, and that was in 2021. So for the first 21 years of, of the drug, you had to actually be with the doctor while you were administering this drug. Um, and what that means in practice is, you know, when you, when you go for a treatment or whatnot, you, you go and get a COVID vaccine or whatever, they make you wait. The doctor for administers 15, the drug. Exactly. And they, and they watch how you're going to respond. The senior fellow at IWF points out that research has shown that mifepristone is more dangerous than a surgical abortion. And the thinking from the left is that they, they want to just basically pop these pills, you know, as much as they can right. um, because they, they, they see that these abortion, the surgical drug, you know, centers are being shut down. Uh, and so this is their response. What I think is also particularly nefarious about this drug is it is actually the, the results are far more dangerous than the surgery. So you're four times more likely to have some sort of adverse effect compared to a surgical abortion. Looking ahead, Sheffield believes that the Supreme Court's ruling will find that the approval of mifepristone was an example of the administrative state overstepping. So what I anticipate might happen is that the Supreme Court could very well say, FDA, we're rejecting what happened because it's, it's the creep of the administrative state. Because what they did was in order to get this drug approved, they, they diagnosed, diagnosed pregnancy as an illness in the same way that this, I kid you not, Dr. Jim, it is considered the same type of illness as HIV AIDS is being pregnant. Sheffield sees what she believes to be an assault on family values in the U.S. as a soft Soviet revolution here in the U.S. Essentially, we're having our own Soviet-style revolution, but it's softer. And because the outcome is the same, the old traditional values are being eroded, and the outcome is the same outcome that we saw on the streets yeah. uh, of the Soviet empire, which is, you know, we're seeing it on in, in you know, the, the liberal areas. Black Lives Matter riots, billions of dollars of property being destroyed. Those are sort of, in some ways, micro-revolutions. You know, dozens of people being murdered in the wake of these riots. Uh, you know, so it's, it's happening, and it's happening in a very pernicious way. I think also, too, when Lenin talks about the proletariat, we're substituting that here in America. It's all about, you know, who, who is the oppressor and oppressive class. Of course. In, his, right. in his day, it was the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. Over here, it's, it's gender and it's racial... <laughs> The FDA says they conducted rigorous reviews that determined mifepristone is safe and effective, which has been confirmed by decades, they say, of subsequent data. On the heels of two Chinese men arrested in New York City for running a secret police station for the Chinese Communist Party, new reports show that Moscow is trying to infiltrate U.S. society. Daybreak Insider's Keith Peters has more on the spy wars. Four Americans affiliated with a black empowerment and political organization have been charged along with three Russians with conspiring to covertly sow discord in U.S. society, spread Russian propaganda and interfere in U.S. elections. An indictment unsealed Tuesday adds the new defendants to an existing case in Tampa, Florida, federal court involving Alexander Ionov, described by prosecutors as the founder of a Moscow-based organization funded by the Russian government 
to carry out an influence campaign in the U.S. The four Americans are all part of the African People's Socialist Party and Uhuru Movement, which has locations in St. Petersburg, Florida, and St. Louis. Keith Peters reporting. Rumors of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis throwing his hat into the 2024 presidential ring grew louder after he made trips to Washington, D.C. and South Carolina. The battle for the 2024 presidential endorsements is heating up. Former President Trump nabbing several congressional supporters this week, including some from Florida, where Ron DeSantis, as you know, is governor. DeSantis making his way to South Carolina today for his book tour. It's a crucial stop as South Carolina is the first in the South to hold its primary. It is expected to be hotly contested. In a hypothetical matchup for the GOP, DeSantis could face former South Carolina governor Nikki Haley, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, who may run, and former President Trump, who is declared and won the state twice. Lawmakers who attended DeSantis's policy discussion said they wouldn't make any endorsements just yet. Reporter Robert Sherman says the DeSantis meeting shows clearly he's laying the groundwork for a presidential campaign. On the ground in South Carolina, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis making his first visit to the Palmetto State Wednesday, just days after visiting New Hampshire and a month since his visit in Iowa. A new poll from Winthrop University shows former President Trump appears to be in control of the state, opening up a more than 20-point lead over Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. Governor DeSantis hoping his so-called Florida blueprint can woo South Carolinians. DeSantis hanging his hat on his handling of the coronavirus pandemic, refusing to keep the state closed despite harsh criticism from opponents. More recently, the governor has made headlines for cracking down on teaching critical race theory, gender and sexuality in schools, and going after companies like Disney, taking heat from fellow Republican Chris Christie. I don't think Ron DeSantis is a conservative. Still, the governor remaining unabashed in his choices. DeSantis says he's proud of the work he's been able to accomplish in the Sunshine State. We're proud to to talk about what we've been able to accomplish uh, in the state of Florida because we've really led the way on a lot of important issues and we've produced results uh, that have been the envy of the country. DeSantis also says that Republicans have to go on the offensive. I'm not going to be like some other Republicans. Some of these guys get into office and they're like potted plants. We need to go on offense. Oddly enough, to many political experts, seven members of Florida's congressional delegation, including three this week, endorsed Donald Trump over Ron DeSantis, hinting at a potential fight between some GOP lawmakers in Florida. However, many GOP lawmakers have yet to decide who to endorse, and some are even hoping for another crowded primary, though not as crowded as the one Republicans had back in 2016. Byron York is the chief political correspondent for the Washington Examiner, and he joins the Salem Radio Network and believes that GOP challengers to Donald Trump are in a somewhat precarious situation. What a near-impossible situation most of Trump's opponents are in, which is to appeal to a Republican, a Republican audience... They have to say, Trump was a great president. I support his policies, but it's time to move on. 
it's just a difficult case to make, especially when Trump himself is standing there saying, what do you mean move on? Here I am. Let's go back. You like this presidency? Let's do more of it. So it's a very, very difficult situation. So uh, what you're referring to is toward the end of the column, I I say that there are some Republicans who don't want to come out and say it, but they're hoping that uh, some prosecutor somewhere will do their work for them. York looks at these latest trips around the country from DeSantis and believes that he is clearly looking for endorsements. For anything to change in the Republican race, Ron DeSantis is going to have to do well. I mean, it's essentially a two-man race right now. Um, And all eyes are on DeSantis, and everybody is trying to figure out how to run against Trump. And nobody has yet, which is no disgrace because nobody could in 2016 either in the Republican Party. So anyway, um, uh, DeSantis wants to get some support on Capitol Hill. He wants some members of Congress from, from Florida to come out and endorse him. He actually comes to Washington yesterday to meet with him, and instead he finds that a number have endorsed Donald Trump instead. York says that DeSantis, if he's going to run a competitive campaign, has a lot of work to do. It's not like DeSantis' political future hangs on the endorsement of Greg right. Stubbe. It is an illustrative incident yes. showing that, um, that DeSantis has a long way to go in the care and feeding of all the people in politics collectively whose help and support you need to get elected. The Florida governor is expected to make a final decision to enter the race sometime after his state's legislative session ends in early May. Twitter owner Elon Musk continues to reverse policies that infringe on freedom of speech. We get more on this developing story from Daybreak Insider's Tasha Stevens. In 2018, the platform instituted a rule that forbid what it described as, quote, targeted misgendering or deadnaming of transgender individuals, end quote. Misgendering is referring to a person by their biological sex if they claim to be otherwise, and so-called deadnaming is referring to someone by their legal birth name. Under previous ownership, Twitter deemed both to be a form of harassment. The majority of users felt otherwise. A recent Wall Street Journal poll found that a majority of Americans feel society has gone too far accepting the radical transgender movement. Tasha Stevens reporting. On Wednesday, House Republicans announced their proposal in order to avoid a debt ceiling showdown. The 320-page act, which the House GOP dubbed the Limit, Save and Grow Act, is said to lift the debt by $1.5 trillion for one year. It would limit government spending, and it also outlines a crackdown on student debt relief and internal revenue service money. Some financial experts say that time may be of the essence, as a U.S. default could cripple parts of the economy. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen notified Congress in January that the United States had crossed a statutory limit of roughly $31.4 trillion and advised that her agency would take extraordinary measures so the government could continue to pay its bills, but only in the short term. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says that President Joe Biden is ignoring the debt ceiling crisis 
while Republicans are coming up with sensible options. You know, if you gave your child a credit card and they kept maxing it out to the limit, you wouldn't blindly just raise the limit. You'd change their behavior. That exact same thing is true with our national debt. We need to lower inflation, reduce our dependence on China, and lift Americans out of poverty. America has a $31 trillion debt, and Washington is on the clock. But what are Democrats doing? President Biden is skipping town to deliver a speech in Maryland rather than sitting down to address the debt ceiling. He's giving America's debt the southern border treatment. Ignore it and hope that it goes away. McCarthy introduced the GOP plan to tackle the debt limit showdown and explained some of what the act will do. When President Biden and Senate Democrats waste time, House Republicans are taking action. Today, I'm proud to announce that we are introducing the Limit, Save, Grow Act of 2023. This responsible legislation will be led by our budget chairman, Jody Arrington, would responsibly raise the debt limit into next year and provide more than $4.5 trillion in savings to the American taxpayer. Now, here's how we do it. First, we limit government spending. Our plan would return discretionary spending to pre-inflationary fiscal year 2022 levels and then limit the growth of spending to 1% per year. The House Speaker points out that the Limit, Save and Grow Act would try to recoup some of the unspent money that was handed out hand over fist during the COVID pandemic. The pandemic is over. House Republicans have already passed a bill to officially end the pandemic. And President Biden signed it into law just last week. Our bill would actually claw back billions of dollars of unspent COVID money that has sat for the last two years. The American people are tired of politicians who use COVID as an excuse for more extreme inflationary spending. Our proposals also repeal Biden's army of 87,000 IRS agents. Now that will save taxpayers $70 billion and it's going to protect the families and the small businesses from weaponizing the IRS. Meanwhile, President Biden doubled down on his refusal to negotiate with House Republicans and instead tried to point the finger at the House Speaker. He threatened to become the first speaker to default on our national debt, which took over 230 years to accumulate, which would throw us in a gigantic recession and beyond, unless he gets what he wants in the budget. Folks, you've got to ask yourself, what are MAGA Republicans in Congress doing? Still, McCarthy said that the Senate lacks a plan, and with the House GOP proposal now introduced, he put the onus on Joe Biden to reach an agreement. The price of food in the United Kingdom has risen at the fastest pace in 45 years, keeping inflation above 10% for the seventh straight month. 
We get more on this from our Daybreak Insider economic correspondent, Lawrence Brooks. Food prices jumped nearly 20% in the 12 months through February, the biggest increase since August 1977, according to the Office for National Statistics. Susanna Streeter, a London-based marketing expert, says although the heat has been turned down on the bubbling cauldron of prices, inflation is still scalding. This comes amid a cost-of-living crisis that has fueled a wave of strikes by government workers. I'm Lawrence Brooks. The wreckage of a submarine has been found by divers off the coast of Long Island. Daybreak Insider's Ed Donahue has more on the exciting discovery in Long Island Sound. The experimental 92-foot submarine was built in 1907. It spent many years unused, docked in New London, Connecticut, before eventually being abandoned on a mud flat. Commercial diver Richard Simon has been looking for the Defender. I got a new research vessel recently for my commercial diving company, and it took me to an area where it possibly could be. So I started driving around, looking at different targets, and then from there... Uh, we looked at where it wasn't. Simon says looking for where it wasn't paid off. Is it a submarine? Yes, it is. Yeah! <laughs> Simon and his team plan to spend the summer diving on the Defender, filming it and taking photographs. I'm Ed Donahue. And finally. It's been over a decade since the release of the last Harry Potter movie. And it looks like Hollywood wants to tell the story of the boy who lived once again. According to reports, HBO is currently closing a deal to reboot J.K. Rowling's books as a new TV series. It might be time to get back on the Hogwarts Express. A deal is being made to begin work on a brand new television series based on the popular novels and films Harry Potter, with author J.K. Rowling leading the development, as well as becoming a producer along with Warner Brothers Television. Right now, details are scarce, but according to Bloomberg, each season will be based on one of the seven Harry Potter novels, which will allow for new stories to be told within the world that we haven't seen on screen before. If the deal goes through, this will be the first appearance of Harry Potter on screen since 2011's Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Harry Potter is the latest in a slew of Hollywood attempts to reboot some of its more profitable brands. A few months ago, James Gunn took over DC Studios. Then came the rumors of a rebooted Lord of the Rings film. Harry Potter and its universe are still wildly popular, with the most recent evidence of its continued success with the new blockbuster hit game Hogwarts Legacy which crushed sales expectations, and there were even rumors that the game itself would receive its own spin-off television series. However, the series creator, J.K. Rowling, remains a controversial figure to some. A few critics believe that some comments she have made were transphobic. Yet, Warner Brothers CEO David Zaslav and HBO CEO Casey Bloys had to convince Rowling to allow them to reboot the series. While there is no word on how Rowling will be involved in the project, reports suggest that she will be on board in some capacity. You're saying it wrong. It's Leviosa, not Leviosa. 
Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott.